Hi, my name is Wasif. I'm one of the owners and pharmacists of iCare Pharmacy. And welcome to the iCare podcast, where we talk all things about health and wellness. If you do have any questions about the podcast or any comments, feel free to text me at 780-705-8871. And yeah, I hope you enjoy the podcast. Thanks, take care, and we'll talk soon. Hi, my name is Wasif. I'm the owner and pharmacist of iCare Pharmacy Windermere. And uh, this is my brother, Atif. Hello. He's, uh, <laughs> he's uh, originally actually from the States, but he's been staying with us for a bit now. When did you come by? Uh, like late August, but I mean, um, I guess I also grew up here, right? So yeah, 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 you're <laughs> from here. So, so has it already been, like it's already been a year, almost? No, no. Like eight, nine months? Uh, got here like late August, so it's almost like six months, right? You got here August the twenty third. August twenty third. No wait, August nineteenth. September, sorry. October, November, December. So yeah, like four months. Yeah. Oh, oh, four months. <laughs> it's like COVID. COVID seems seems to change your perspective of things. Like I feel like it's already been like a couple of years. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, yeah. You're right. Just August. Yeah. Four months. <laughs> so. Uh, yeah, so uh, you can also find you streaming on Twitch yeah. under what name? Oh, uh, Minister Gold. <laughs> so you can check that out. Well, Minister Expert Gold. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, you know, got to do our plugins where we can. Yeah. Um, yeah, and uh, I'll do a quick plug-in for me. So iCare Pharmacy, if you need anything pharmacy-wise, we deliver all throughout Edmonton, Sherrod Park, St. Albert, Beaumont, and delivery is always free. So if you ever need anything or if you have any questions about the podcast we're doing or any questions after feel free to leave a comment or you can also just email icarewindermere at gmail.com the voice you hear off stage is my lovely wife dodo i say hi dodo hey everyone and you know just before anyone says anything dodo is a term of affection i know it's also a bird that that died and, and but, but as a, but it's it's a term of affection Dodo actually has a uh, poli-sci degree, so if you ever need to argue someone about policies in the Middle East, she would be the perfect person to talk to. Anyways, uh, the reason why we're doing this podcast is I'm just trying to supplement. Uh, we put out a blog in regards to the COVID vaccine, so we just wanted to kind of do something uh, more interactive and talk a little bit more depth in regards to the vaccine. So I should actually say we're also shooting this visit this video December 13th so officially uh, the first day of lockdown but uh, the good news is that we are getting our first shipment of the COVID vaccine actually tonight uh, of uh, specifically of the Pfizer so uh, the first people that they're gonna try to get that to is gonna be like healthcare workers as well as uh, as those who are more at risk so just like uh, people living in long-term homes so just to start, we're gonna start with just the various vaccines that are available. Yeah. yeah. Okay. <laughs> so uh, one of the vaccines uh, is a Russian vaccine. Uh, they named it uh, Sputnik V. So if you guys are not familiar, uh, Sputnik was the first satellite that was released into space in 1957. So they named it after that, and that was kind of. Kind of an interesting name because that was kind of what started off the whole Cold War. <laughs> so it, it's kind of interesting that they went that way. Um, overall, they're claiming about a 90 to, originally it was 90% effectiveness rate and then they bumped it up to 92%. Um, the data on it is 
when they first uh, released that data, they didn't really have a lot of information in regards to how they, they haven't, haven't had a lot of volunteers. So there's been a little bit of a speculation about the data, but uh, how about you, Fis? Would you sign up for Sputnik? Um, I'd be a little hesitant because I don't know what relationship the creators of that vaccine has to the government, and I don't, my instinct is to not have much trust for the Russian government. Well, yeah, and that's, that's not like a, Unfortunately, that's not like I know we're we're not getting super political, so so I don't I can see Dodo cringing off stage, but I mean often, unfortunately, there is some uh, intersection between politics and health, but um, yeah, I mean you know, all the way from the Cold War till now, it's been kind of a rocky relationship with the Russians. But that being said, it is interesting that. A bunch of the vaccines were purchased by Hungary for, um, for their population and also as well India agreed to produce 100 million uh, units of the vaccine by the end of 2021. And um, so I mean it, you know the good thing is they are going to have increased scrutiny because of these relationships that they have. Also as well they're going to be doing a combination um, they're also going to kind of test out how well it's working in combination with the um, with the next uh, with the next uh, vaccine that we're going to talk about, which is the Oxford vaccine. So um, what they are going to try to do is like like a lot of these vaccines are you're getting one shot and then anywhere from three weeks to six weeks later you're getting a second shot. Um, so the, the Oxford vaccine. The way it worked was they are a 60% efficacy uh, when they get two full doses. So one dose and then 21 or 28 days later they get a second dose. But what they did notice was when they first get a half dose and then later on they get a full dose, it actually bumped it up to 90% efficacy. But the, the issue with that is there, there has been some questions brought up about how exactly they got their results. So, so that part is a little bit, uh, that there needs to be more research done uh, to kind of figure out exactly what their efficacy rate is. So we'll be looking forward to seeing more information released by them. Ooh, yeah? Uh, when you say how they got the results, do you mean like, uh, like was it like peer reviewed or like what does that mean? No, it was like peer reviewed and stuff, but it was a little bit weird because they had like one, one Thing where they did it seemed like they had one where they did one in one and the other one they did half a dose and and one of the other mm -hmm. and I think uh, I, I think there was just a little bit of confusion why there was two arms and and why there wasn't just like like it, it seemed like there weren't following like protocol in terms of what exactly to do in terms of the mm -hmm. study mm -hmm. so there were some questions about that um, the other thing I was going to mention is just the, touching about efficacy itself. So uh, I don't know if you know or not, but like when these guys are saying it's 95% effective, what does that mean to you? My assumption of that is that it means that like that's their likelihood that the uh, like virus or whatever will be removed from your system. Yeah, yeah. But it's interesting how they got to that number. So how they get to that number is like say you had like 40,000 people 
undergo your study. And 28,000 of those people get the placebo, and 20,000 get the um, and 20,000 get um, the actual vaccine. So what ends up happening is out of the placebo group, five people get COVID. Out of or uh, say sorry, say out of the placebo group, 95 people get COVID, mm -hmm. and out of the group that is actually um, out of the group that gets the actual vaccine, you only get five people that get COVID. So five divided by 100 is like um, five in 100 equates to 95%. Mm -hmm. And that's how they kind of get their, that's how they calculate their efficacy rates. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So, because it's not like you can go around just giving people COVID. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> because, you know, that would be unethical. So it's hard to kind of determine uh, how efficacy rates using that way. So they just kind of have to, just kind of give them the vaccine or the placebo and just see how they do, um, you know, over the next little while. The other vaccine that we're going to talk to talk about next is the Moderna vaccine. So that one is 94.5% effective. The interesting thing about the Moderna vaccine is when you look at the number of people that got uh, COVID in that group, um, for even the people that ended up getting, because you know, if you get the vaccine, it's not 100% certain that you won't get COVID. Mm -hmm. So even if even the people that ended up getting COVID in that arm, none of them had severe symptoms. So so that was really promising. So they think that you can kind you might be able to extrapolate that if you do get vaccinated and if you do end up getting COVID anyways, that the symptoms won't be as severe. So so that's promising too. Uh, the, the, the main one that we're interested in right now, though, is the Pfizer vaccine. So Pfizer vaccine is the one that landed tonight, and then they're starting uh, distribution of it. And so that one is, um, is set to be about 95% effective, and they had a large number of participants to, kind of, you know, the data is, was, more, was the most robust out of everyone that had it there. Now, the downside to, not downside, but one of, uh, one of the situations with the Pfizer vaccine was that um, people who, um, uh, they started the rollout in the UK already last week, and there were two people that had very severe allergic reactions, and a couple of healthcare workers. So the UK released a statement saying, if you have a history of severe allergic reactions, then you shouldn't get the COVID vaccination. And then um, Health Canada looked at the same data and they said, well, as long as you don't have any, or you're not allergic to any of the components of the uh, Pfizer vaccine, then you should be okay to get it. So, um, so they're a little bit more specific. Um, it's a good thing though, because I, I don't know, I'm, I'm trying to figure out the data myself because like, have you ever had a history of allergic reaction? No. I have. I had two, oh, two okay. allergic reactions where, where my lips swelled up and I had trouble breathing, and that was uh, a food allergy. Yeah, food allergy. Yeah. Uh, but so the UK government is saying like, you have a food allergy, you can't, you shouldn't get it. What about people who are allergic to like, um, let's say bee stings? Like you know, my brother, and you know, several other people have severe allergic reactions to bees. Yeah. Well, like Health Canada is saying it's fine as long as you're not allergic to any of the specific components. 
of the vaccine. And have they listed the specific components? Yeah, it's vaccine? actually on their on their website. Okay, List, listed on their website okay. on Health Canada, so you can you can look look that up. I can leave a link in regards to that as well. Um, yeah, so so I think so so how how likely are you to are you going to be like first in line to get the vaccine? No, no? but. Um, I mean, it's it's good to hear uh, how, I guess I guess the frontline workers are being affected by it because that gives me an idea of, um, I guess how it'll affect people when they take the vaccine. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So after I hear that stabilized, and I'll be more likely to like go in and. Yeah, yeah. For I think sure. also I'm more comfortable with people who are high risk. Yeah. And the vulnerable population, uh, I want to see them get it because I feel like they're a priority. Yeah. You know. How so, comfortable are you with the idea of getting the vaccine? I have no yourself? problem getting the uh, the vaccine. The only thing is, I just want the people the most vulnerable and oh, most yeah. susceptible to COVID and who've who've gone through COVID to get it as well. And then, like, I don't consider myself a priority right now. You know, I'm I'm a pharmacist, so I'm biased, right? So I have no problem of when it's my turn to get the COVID nineteen vaccination, whether it be Pfizer or Moderna, that I'd be, you know more than willing to get it right and uh, you know that's just my comfort level and everyone has a different comfort level at the end of the day right and you know and it's a conversation you know as people who are more comfortable get it as a conversation we can have yeah, right in terms you know. of in terms of like you know you'll be like hey what's if you still alive and i'm like yeah yeah i'm doing good i, I have a little bit of a sore arm but i'm doing all right and that would make you know because you're not a medication guy at all right, right. So that would kind of put you in a situation where you're more comfortable to get it. And same thing with you, honey, because I know, I know you don't like meds and that sort of thing. That's yeah, but really I mean, every, yeah, and that's fine. And it's, yeah. and, you know, everybody's different. And, and um, I think. Yeah, like I think, uh, like me personally, I'm comfortable getting it. But I'm also more than willing to have these comfort, uh, conversations as, as more people get inoculated to yeah. kind of help help people along and make them feel more comfortable yeah, about exactly. that decision and if people don't choose to get immunized that's to each their own right but I think yeah at the end yeah of the day, I, I i don't really like the idea of um mandatory anything that's just yeah. that's just i feel like everyone should be kind of in charge of their health yeah. and you know so that it is what it is one thing i should i should quickly point out that i forgot to point out at the beginning just because some people are going to ask is pharmacists are not injecting the vaccine yeah. Because it's um, uh, the protocol in terms of shipping and storage of the vaccination is quite strict. Uh, for instance, it's coming from the shipment tonight from Pfizer came from um, Belgium to Germany to Kentucky to Edmonton, right? And that took a total of 36 hours, and all the while it had to be kept at minus 70 degrees. We, the pharmacy right now, just doesn't have the infrastructure to kind of deal with that. And um, also considering Pfizer, uh, they said in an article that I read today, yeah. that was recently updated, that it's going to be in a immunized control environments in case there's reactions. reactions and stuff. Yeah. Which so, is smart, right? Because, like, you know, part of the reason people are a little bit, not skeptical, but a little bit worried is because, you know, because of the COVID situation, they kind of, we kind of had to, something that usually takes us 10 years to develop, we did like in a year, yeah. right? So obviously you're going to have to have more safety protocols in place when you're administering the vaccine. So who's going to be administering the vaccine in Edmonton? I'm not sure. I haven't really uh, read the, um, I haven't 
read the exact plan in regards to that, but I imagine, you know, Alberta Health would have to set something up in regards to their nurses and that sort of thing at specific facilities, right? <coughs> oh, the other thing I wanted to touch was just, um, just to talk about the different types of, uh, how this is like a new class of vaccinations. So we have the Sputnik, you have Moderna, and you have Pfizer. Those are all uh, mRNA vaccinations. So mRNA, what it is, is, do you know mRNA? What is mRNA? Do you remember that? No. Something, something DNA. Something, something DNA. That's all you need to know. Something, something DNA. Basically, the cell uses mRNA to the COVID vaccine. Like everyone has mRNA and you use it as a template to make DNA. And COVID-19 has their own type of mRNA that they use to do that. So what they do is they um, uh, take that mRNA that's in the COVID vaccine and they put it into, uh, into the vaccine. And it's, it's formulated in such a part, such a way that it only produces the spike protein that's on the, um, on the uh, coronavirus. And so you're, you inject it into the muscle and then your cells, what they do is they uptake uh, they take in the mRNA and they start producing those uh, spike proteins and they end up uh, basically uh, growing little spike proteins themselves on the cells and then our immune system says hey that doesn't belong here what, what, what's this and then the immune system comes in and it basically attacks them at a small scale and and because they see them and attack them they kind of they basically memorize this is what we have to fight against when we actually see the real thing. So that's kind of what happens with the mRNA. I would like to say it is quite similar to, we've been watching a lot of Star Wars. <laughs> so I would like to say it's quite similar to, oh yeah, wait, I'm probably gonna lose a lot of people at this one, but I don't care. I mean, I just, I just really want to do this. Rogue One, remember Rogue One, the movie Rogue One? Yes. Okay, they landed on Rogue One to steal the blueprints of the Battlestar, right? Yeah, yeah. Of the Death Star, Death Star, not yeah. Battlestar, that's a different show. Of the Death Star, and basically what we're doing is we have the blueprints of the Death Star now, and Rogue One did their thing, and now we're injecting, uh, we're taking that Death Star information, injecting in our cells, so we can press that button like Luke did and blow up the Death Star, and no more COVID. So, so that's, 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 that's what's happening. Glad you got that off your chest. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I had to get that off my chest. <laughs> and then uh, the Pfizer, not the Pfizer, the Oxford one is a little bit different. So it's not an mRNA vaccine. The Pfizer one, what that is, is they take like a, like a, um, a type of common cold and, and it's inactivated and they get that common cold virus to be able to be programmed to produce the spike protein itself. Oh. And then we're injected with the common cold vaccine. And while it's in us, it produces the spike protein uh, triggering that immune response. So it's a little bit different. That's the one that might be 60, might be 90% effective. And the interesting thing about the, the uh, Oxford one is that uh, it's a lot, uh, in terms of being able to distribute it, it's a lot easier because the cold chain is only two to eight degrees versus uh, minus 70 mm. so so if they can perfect that uh, and get more data on that that i think that'll go a long way in really helping people out uh, yeah last thing uh 
to say it's just just in regards to perspective i think i think it was just interesting like at the i think uh in regards to just um um uh, you know covid at the beginning we we kind of understand the world just based upon just what we kind of see and what we experience with our own eyes with our own senses and at the at the beginning of covid it was a situation where you know a lot of people like would be questioning and would be asking just saying that you know i don't uh you know i don't really know a lot of people that have gotten it and that sort of thing and you know is this a you know a real concern is this something that we need to worry about just because we didn't really, you know, myself included, I didn't really know anyone that had it at the time, right? But now, like at my practice, I've had, you know, I've had a few patients who got it and that sort of thing. And, it's, and, you know, some patients have had like no symptoms and they're fine. And other patients, like I have this other patient who's, who's not in Canada, mind you, he's in like practicing in Barbados right now. And he ended up getting it and uh, he said it was like breathing underwater. So. I mean, um, yeah, so it's, it's really interesting to kind of see where we're at now and the numbers have been rising and that sort of thing, but but I think everyone at this point understands the severity of the situation and I think, you know, Albertans can pull together and just come together to kind of just push through these, you know, next two to three months and hopefully we can, you know, come out this the other end. Uh, feeling better about ourselves and having, you know, trying to flatten out this curve. So, yeah. And if like, just one thing I want to point out as well is something to keep in mind, even though some of us are considered in good shape and healthy, I'm thinking about the most vulnerable. Like I have family members who are asthmatic or, you know, immunocompromised and friends who are in the same position. So when I, when I think about this whole situation, I think more about them and the most vulnerable people and you know the ones who are more susceptible to getting it so that's something that we also want to keep in mind like even though you're healthy and think like you know count your blessings that you're healthy and you have a good immune system we also have to consider you know there's other people that are not and you know we want to be mindful of that as well think of others as we you know go through this and i'm positive this will come to an end soon yeah. like I, I i don't think anything lasts forever and i'm, I'm certain that this too shall pass. Definitely, definitely. So yeah, I want to thank you again for uh, tuning in and listening. Um, you know, feel, uh, please feel free to subscribe to the podcast. Or if you have any comments or questions, like I said, you can either leave them below, or um, you can always shoot me an email at icarewindermere at gmail.com. And I'll get back to you again. I'm Wasif from iCare Pharmacy. And yeah, um, take care and stay safe. And Enjoy, uh, enjoy the holidays, enjoy the Christmas. Uh, you know, I know it's going to be more like Zoom Christmas parties, but you know, we can still get together, have a good time. So yeah, and yeah. See ya. <laughs> Bye. Bye everyone. Thanks. By the way, it's Dodo Bird, and it is a term of endearment. So thank you, honey. It was okay. the third part. Okay, okay, Dodo right. Bird. Okay, okay. Bye. Bye. See Bye. you. <laughs>